Real changes require real solutions. At Back to Life Radio, powered by BZ Transfer Systems, we know that life happens. And when it's time to get back to life, we're here for you. Now, here are your hosts, Linda Pavick and Paul Frazier. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Paul Frazier, and I'm here with my co-host, Sandra Beck. How are you doing, Sandra? Terrific, Paul. So happy to be here. Well, unlike your place out there, it's snow cold and a lot of snow here in Minnesota. I wonder how the weather is out in California. We are sunny and 46, which is actually pretty cold for us. We're not used to this weather. (laughs) It is cold. So today's broadcast is about the word entrepreneurial. And before I start that, we are sponsored by BZ Trans Systems the makers of the premium bzboards.com. You can go there and reach us at bzboards.com. You can check out all of our products and videos and anything you want to see about our great premium transfer board, the BZ Boards. And also by Copper Touch. A lifetime of germ protection is right there in your hands with Copper Touch. Go there and check out Copper Touch at coppertouch.com and look what but science is backing up on this product, which is an awesome product. So check those uh, those uh, uh, products out and um, give us a call and let you know what we think. So Sandra, today's really uh, kind of a wide perspective of entrepreneurship and success. What comes to your mind when you think of entrepreneur? I think, you know, when I think of being an entrepreneur, and I never really thought of myself as one until you came up with the topic for today's show, and I'm like, yeah, I guess I am. I think it conveys to me the entrepreneurial spirit, which is freedom. And that doesn't mean freedom not to work. It means freedom to work how you want to work on what you want to work and being able to make more decisions in your earning potential and your you know, how your day is structured. I mean, well, mine forced on me. I, I I didn't wake up one morning to be an entrepreneur. Um, when my marriage ended and my ex-husband left, I had a three-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. And in Los Angeles, it was very hard to get childcare because neither kid was diaper trained. And the freeways made it impossible for me to get to daycare on time, get out of work. You know, all of those things were too stressful for me. So I thought, well, maybe it would be easier to own my own business because it would give me some flexibility in the childcare issues that I was struggling with. Do you have any regrets about that? About um, it did take a, it took a huge hit in my income the first three, four years. I mean, I was broke. I was, was paying out as much in childcare and, and product and things to get my business started and getting additional education was, was an additional expense just to get to the point that my company broke even each year and I drained out my savings to pay for my mortgage. And it was probably year four or five that I started to turn a profit. Yeah. The thing with entrepreneurials is that what comes to my mind is independent thinkers. You tell me if you think this is right. Okay, Sandra, independent thinkers, goal driven, paving a path. They're also leaders. They got the tenacity. They're job creators. 
and they're, yeah, they're job creators and they're just, there's something, it's, it's a breed. Don't you think it's in, it's in someone's, in someone's makeup DNA to become an entrepreneur? Well, you know, I, I, I think maybe because I didn't, you know, like I said, I didn't live my whole life um, wanting to be an entrepreneur, but it seemed like the logical thing at the time. And then I realized, hey, I'm good at it. So I think it can be like a little sleeper cell in you that wakes up when you need it. Right, right. Well, I come from a family of, uh, my dad was a family of entrepreneurs on my dad's side and on my mom's side. Um, one of my uncles is, well, excuse me, one of my cousins invented the uh, handy paint pail that you see in all your, uh, you know, your home improvement centers like uh, Menards, Home Depot. Anyways, he invented this thing and it's quite unique how entrepreneurs think because this guy, he was also, he invented also the um, scratch and sniff uh, airplane spoon for kids you ever seen those those little plastic airplane spoons yeah yeah he came up with that idea and he also came up with the shoelace that does not tie so he came up with that so then he started walking around the house thinking how he was going to paint his house but he wasn't one he didn't want to bring a big huge gallon of paint in the house and spill it everywhere so he made a Folgers can put duct tape around it and voila, there it is, the handy paint pail. <laughs> so he got it made, um, you know, marketed and stuff like that. And his first order came from Walmart for like 30,000 of them. And it's, the rest is like history. This guy, he he's in, I talk to him almost all the time. My dad also was an entrepreneur. Um, he was he was way back in the, in the day in construction. Then he bought into printing and die cutting. So yeah, and so I come from a line, a long line of entrepreneurs. So, and I kind of think that my uh, person, uh, coworker here, um, Linda Pavick, who's also a entrepreneur, we own busyboards.com. And I'm telling you what, those, that is really, I couldn't think of a better way to lead my life than being a part owner in a business that gives back so much. I don't know if I could ever, ever work for anybody. It's hard to work for somebody when you're working by your working for yourself for such a long time, don't you think? Absolutely. That's when I went back to work for Keller Williams for a couple, like for like eight months, a year, a year and a half, I can't remember. It was very hard for me to sit in an office all day and be accountable to a boss for, and he was super nice. Um, mm-hmm. But I was used to setting my own schedules, coming and going as I pleased. And, you know, I was the one who set the time for the meetings first and everybody worked around me. So that was a little difficult when somebody would say, okay, Miss Beck, you have to be at this meeting at this time and at this location. I'm like, hmm, I don't really like well, that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it doesn't come overnight. I tell you that, um, you know, six entrepreneurial and success does not come overnight it takes man sometimes it takes years and years and years but you know what the more you do it and the more you see you have employees working for you who love to do what they love to do i tell you what 
the years don't they don't they don't add up that quick. You know, they go by pretty quick. And there's there'll be some hard times, but you know what? In the end, there's always gonna be a success, I think, in when you become an entrepreneur. I think there's a lot of gratitude there. Um, I think there's a lot of satisfaction for sure, because you get to create the things that you really want to create. And other than financial or maybe some clients every now and then, you can really go with your best foot forward and your best ideas. And, you know, it's a very creative process, but it's not for the faint of heart. You know, you really need the biggest characteristic I think an entrepreneur needs is perseverance. You know, when my kids were really little and I was building my company and my first company was Motherhood Incorporated and it employed mothers to work from home in the tech fields because I was in home. I was in the tech fields and I knew there was a lot of women out there that were home with their kids due to or elder care and child care issues. And they were productive. They could do programming and they could do parts of these jobs. And so I created this company called Motherhood Incorporated Moms to Work from Home in the Tech Field. And I didn't have childcare at the time. So I had one kid in a playpen in my office. The other one, I'd move to the car seat and buckle him in. And I'd be throwing toys at him and kicking things. And, you know, I put a little video player, you know, because I, they, what, what are we going to do? And then they would fall asleep and they were like dueling banjos. They never fall asleep at the same time. But I would find myself working from 12 midnight to five. I'd nap when one would nap and the other one would be locked in the playpen, you know, so he couldn't get out was safe and you know when he'd cry I would wake up but you know there was two two and a half years of that kind of stuff um but I kept persevering because I needed to pay the bills keep a house over our head and I knew eventually that my company would grow into something that could sustain us pay for college you know do the things that I wanted to do in my life so so when you think back then and you think of now are you glad you did what you did as far oh, absolutely. as? Absolutely. Yeah. Because one of those things that happened, Paul, is first of all, I realized just how capable I am. And I don't think I knew that. I know for sure I didn't know that going in because I suffered from tremendous anxiety and I couldn't sleep. And I, I you know, was so nervous and upset all the time, um, not thinking that I could do this. So one, it gave me a lot of confidence. But two, it showed my children that if you work hard, you can have, you know, whatever it is you want in life and you got to work smart you know longer hours didn't necessarily mean a better paycheck for me so I had to figure out how to work smarter and then how to leverage it made no sense to me to hire two assistants when I'm broke but what that did was it allowed me to get the work done get some rest and be the creative leader of my company so that i could go out and bring in new business and then all of a sudden two became 10 and you know we're quite happy and i've had people working for me now for 15 16 years how many people do you got working for you now I have 10 and everybody works from their own location. After a point, I realized this is silly. um, And I also needed to turn my offices in my house. I built a special house that has a set of offices. I needed to convert that uh, seven, eight years ago to put my father in. So I lost that office space. And then I thought, well, I could 
could buy more office space. And then, then I thought to myself, what if I got these backpacks? And I ordered company backpacks, monogrammed them, put the computers in that had the specific software on them. You know, I have a whole bank of computers, all that do different things. I would put the job together, put the computer in the bag, put all the instructions in the bag. And then mm -hmm. the people who work for me come and pick up the bag. And once a month, we'd get together at a restaurant and have a team meeting. But everything else was virtual. And I have nine women that work for me and one guy. Wow, that's impressive. So, wow, that is impressive. The good thing about entrepreneurials is that they are very, very creative. And you know what? You may... You may have to go a year without being paid, you know, and that's just, yeah, that is just, that's the downfall. But I mean, you got to look at the, the bigger piece of the pie. Um, the bigger piece of the pie is what you're aiming for. And I'm telling you, it's worth it. So if any of you guys out there have any, any, any idea, don't let it sit on the shelf, bring it up, bring it up and see what you can do with it. You know, I don't know if, the idea will work or not, but you know what? You you can always try it and you fail. You know what? Failure is a well, my first one failed. My first company yeah. failed. It lasted yeah. like eight months and and I realized that you know it was a company called Mac Made Easy and I would go into people's homes, set up their Mac, you know, give them training for the whole family so they could get on. And I would go into small companies like accountant's office, doctor's office. But the problem was I realized that all the knowledge was in my head and I ran out of hours. You know, I could work you know, 10 hours a day and maybe right. I could make a thousand dollars a day charging a hundred dollars a piece to everybody. But the problem was I ran out of me. And mm -hmm. that's one of the things where you leverage to someone else. And I didn't have the time to convey the knowledge I had in my head to someone else. So I, I decided to, to shift gears and, and move my company from the first company into the second company, which was kind of an expanded service realm where I could bring more people in to do the work and I could take a small portion of their money and they could get the bulk of it. But all I had to do was make the connection. Right. And, you know, I don't know if you believe this, Sandra, but don't you think that failure is success? Yeah. I mean, to me, we don't use the word failure or mistake in my company. I hate those words oh, because no. failure really brings up a lot of bad feelings for me. And like, I don't even like to say I'm divorced. I say I'm recycled. Um, <laughs> because when you feel bad, you know, the things about emotions is emotions are funny. They can propel us to greatness or they can stop us dead in our tracks. And so mm -hmm. I try not to use words in my company like failure or mistake or you did this wrong. Like no one likes wrong, fail, mistake. They make you feel crappy. So I will always say things like, well, you know, have you considered maybe we could do it this way or here's a, a faster way or maybe a simpler way or a better way for you to do this uh, from my experience. And, you know, when you work in tech all day long, you're creating things that never before existed in human history, very much like the entrepreneurial bucket you were talking about and the copper touch bar and yeah. the board, you know, they, they come out of a, a need. And somebody says, okay, I'm going to solve this need. I'm going to fix this need. And I'm going to create a product to, to make the world a better place. I think most entrepreneurial spirits have that kind of belief system. And so 
when you do these things and you create things that have never existed before in human history, you're not going to get it right the first time. Nobody is. When you write a computer program, the first thing everybody has to do is go through and debug it and everybody takes a section. Well, are those mistakes? Sure. Of course they are. They're all mistakes. You know, the first, but we look at tries or attempts or for us, it's part of the process, like mistakes or failures or all those things are naturally and organically built into the process. So you don't fear them. You don't avoid them. You embrace them because it's better to get something put down on paper or something produced in a lab or on a computer because you can't fix what isn't created. You can't fix what isn't written down. You can't fix what isn't made into a prototype. That's the first step process for every bit of creation on the entrepreneurial side. So you have to get used to quote unquote failure wrong mistakes really quick and understand they're just part of the process. Yeah. And you know, the the interesting thing when you said that, you know, entrepreneurs are based on what people's needs are. Right. And that's so true. I mean, that is, that is spot on because um, that is true because that's why entrepreneurs are made is what there's, there gotta be a need out there, you know, for people to use it. And that's how you become an entrepreneur, I think. And heck the busy board, it, we saw a need and, you know, the need was to help people get more independent in their life. And so that's what we did. We made it more accessible for people to be more independent. And now people are loving it. And it couldn't be the best. I tell you, working, owning part ownership in this company is the best thing I ever did when I became that. And uh, it just could have helped people. And like you said, if there's a need, people need it, go get it and make it, make it, make something of it and go ahead and Make it entrepreneurial out of yourself. But, you know, there's also now what do you think about branding? The branding and entrepreneurial kind of goes in the same wavelength, doesn't it, Sandra? Well, I think, you know, there's two schools of thought. And I don't believe people can do a good job branding their own product. I think you need to bounce it off somebody else and it can be another entrepreneur and you both help each other brand your own product but the problem with branding is branding is like a personality it's like a whole entity that surrounds your product like let's take a nike sneaker you know nike sneaker just do it you know does it make you run faster does it make you stronger no but it gives you the belief that you do so that little sneaker or gym shoe has a personality it has something to say it has a a look and feel to it. It has a logo, which is, you know, very much like a hairstyle on a product. So Mm -hmm. take that little person and you have that person speak. Well, entrepreneurs always get tangled up in the benefits and attributes of their product. They're like, well, the soul is this and the tongue is this and the laces are that and the this and the that and nobody cares. The consumer doesn't look at all those things. Those are, you know, kind of little factoids that build up the brand. But the consumer cares about being a better athlete. They really don't care the nuts and bolts and the entrepreneur gets all tied up in the nuts and bolts of these things. And yes, you can put those things down in a brochure that nobody reads, or you can put it on a website, you know, as supporting information, but that's not why somebody buys the product. Like 
Paul, the Beezy board, you know, that's like a surfboard, you guys, that you can zip from a, a wheelchair to a bed or a bed to a car. You know, all those things got a little sliding like dinner plate on there that kind of moves you back and forth. All of those bells and whistles that the board has are just supporting evidence for the consumer to buy it. But the reason the consumer buys the Beezy board is because they want to be free. They want to be free from an injury. They want to be free to move around the country. The people who buy it as a caregiver want to be free from having to move a heavy person. Now let's right. take the Copper Touch bar. Yeah, yeah. The Copper Touch bar, and you guys can find that at coppertouch.com. It's a nifty little bar, like a bar of soap made of copper that kills germs and viruses. What do people want from that? Do they want to feel cleaner? A little bit. But more importantly, they want to be kept safer. Safer. Mm -hmm the germs and the viruses that are in our environment today. So safety is a big emotional component to the little bar. So the little copper right. touch bar is standing there going, hi, I'll help you be safer. I'll keep right. you from getting sick. You know, that's what the little bar is saying. And the surfboard, the BC board is saying, I will let you be free. I'm going to free you from this prison of the wheelchair. I'm going to free you from the prison of the bed. So imagine your products like little people speaking to you. That's yeah. a brand. And people get all whacked out with brands thinking it's color, it's this, it's that. That's all part of branding. But until they understand the nucleus of a brand, which is the personality of the product and what it's saying to the consumer and why the consumer likes it and buys it, all of that stuff is just shooting darts, you know, in the dark. Do you surf, Sandra? I do. Well then, um, when I come out there and see you, I'm bringing a Beezy board. I want to see you use. <laughs> I want to see you use the Beezy board for a surfboard because I would love to see you on. The, and you know what? The disc even moves, so it would be really. It, that really would be nice. a challenge. Well, they kind of and they look like the little <laughs> boogie boards too. You know, my kids have boogie boards, so you know. <laughs> But the whole point is their freedom, you know, and it's fun. You know, it's fun to slide along the busy board. You know, it's it's certainly better than scraping along on a, you know, on a on a board, on a plank. No, it, it's a lot safer than than a lot of boards out there. So, I mean, again, people go check it out. It's a great great product at busyboards.com, b e a s y boards.com. Now, Sandra, I was reading something and I want to I'm going to read something to you. Okay. <clears throat> And um, it's kind of, it's, a, it's in the branding part of it, but um, I found this really, really, really interesting. So here I go. Successful people all have one thing in common. Their names are tied to unique traits, values, and accomplishments. For example, a couple of historic figures, Abe Lincoln. Now, when I say Abe Lincoln, what comes to your mind about Abe Lincoln? Didn't somebody shoot him in the head? You know what, Sandra? Yes, that's that's right. But we're not going there, okay? We're <laughs> well, you asked. <laughs> we're not going there, Miss Sandra. We're going to a positive place, okay? <laughs> so when you when I say Abe Lincoln, he was a good shot. But what is what is the saying that goes with Abe Lincoln? I don't know. What do people say about Abe Lincoln? Well. Sandra, he's honest Abe. Oh, oh, okay, gotcha. Okay. I wasn't sure what you were thinking of. Right, his brand as honest Abe. Okay, there you go. Muhammad Ali floats like a butterfly and stings, stings like, a, like bee. a bee. 
<laughs> now there is a, a brand that everybody knows. Every, that's, a, that's a saying that, I mean, you know when you're a kid. Right, that's and a tagline that demonstrates that's the brand. Yes. Now, what comes to your mind when I say Aretha Franklin? R-E-S-P-E-C-T. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. But what, what was she? She was a singer. Okay. The Queen of Soul, Sandra. The Queen of Soul. All right. So uh, clearly I got an F on today's show. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she's a queen of soul. So strong personal brands that tells the world what you're about and what others can expect from you. That can give you attraction when you're looking to influence people. Do you find that true? Yeah, because I was just running a test by um, about a couple of the brands that I know, like Copper Touch is cleaner on the go. That makes sense. Yep. It's portable. It's, you know, it helps you stay cleaner and you know bz is back to life it brings you back to life like yeah those things uh make sense yeah so then get this one now listen to this one. motherhood listen. incorporated is, is yeah. home sourcing rather than outsourcing you know people got right. tired of going overseas and listening to people with accents they couldn't understand so we home source rather than outsource wow well okay so this is more like a trivia thing but you know what it's also goes in with entrepreneurialism and it's it's really quite intriguing. Okay, now do you remember Robert Craig Knievel? Oh, Evil Knievel. Okay, that did you know that was his real name? No. I didn't either. <laughs> oh, how many okay. Knievels can there be? <laughs> Robert Craig Knievel was a guy who liked pulling tricks on his motorcycle, but he had an instinct for marketing. His stunts, his stunts, which include a jump over a cage of rattlesnakes, soon he had that label that he was that guy. Words spread and folks began to remember his name. It wasn't really, that wasn't really a great name. So when a cop gave him a ticket for dangerous driving, a cop jokingly called him Evil Knievel. <laughs> He owned it. It was perfect for posters and it told the audience what to expect from his shows. This was now a lifestyle. He always dressed in the same red, white, and blue motocross suits. With the Even, cape. Yep. With, with the, the cape. cape, yeah. With the red cape, yeah. Knievel became a synonymous with adventures and daredevilry. His name, in other words, stood for something. So a personal brand is quite unique i mean to, if you could get a personal brand if you know what i mean sure well kiss look at their you know they have a yeah, personal right. brand. They're pretty recognizable yeah. and you know yeah. when you put them in person i worked for them for many years you know they're just a bunch of goofy guys that put on makeup and jump around with guitars and make really good music yeah and let's when they jump around in guitars i think they all known about three chords I think William can, can another guy who's working with us on this podcast can say can contest me for that because he's a musician. But yeah, yeah it, these guys, it, I got to tell you, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons and Peter and and Ace, they are really really smart guys, oh, and Gene Simmons especially is a huge yes. 
huge marketer. That's how I worked with him. And I understood, you know, that he was so much more than a musician, but a master marketer. Yeah. So, yeah, let's do that now. So here you got this guy who puts on makeup and he's up on stage singing and dancing or whatever, you know, plays the bass or whatever he does. But no one would, I would never realize when this person did on, when he took all that stuff off, who he was. He's a very smart guy, Gene Simmons is. Yeah. Self-promotion and stuff like that, you know. He's a marketing genius, you know. Yeah. you know, you guys can go ahead and, and Google him, but you can look at him and and look at his marketing advice, even the marketing advice he gave on The Apprentice. You know, the guy's like an MBA times 50 in marketing. Like, he just gets it. And some people do. Right. But he also reads a lot. I've been in his house. He reads a ton. You've been in his house? Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Pretty exciting. Not only is this about entrepreneurship, it's also about, um, uh, how, how should I put it? Um, you're kind of stalking him, is that right? <laughs> Me? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, so anyways, but entrepreneurialism is not only is it a means of freedom, as Sandra would say, and I, because it is, it's also a means of accomplishment and tenacity, and also it also creates a lot of things for people in their lives, people like jobs, people that need stuff is what entrepreneurialism is all about. And I think that the reason that, <clears throat> excuse me, I think the reason why I was so involved, I got so really involved with it because my dad he never worked for anybody. So he never knew, I never knew another way to work for anybody. I never worked for anybody in my whole life. Oh, I take that back. When I was on the work program in high school, I worked at Burger King. Oh boy. So, I mean, but that taught me that I didn't want to work for anybody. And so what I did was I worked for my dad, who was my boss. I recommend people don't work for your family. And, but, uh, but he taught me a lot about entrepreneurship and also who's also taught me a lot about it is you, Sandra. And Linda Pavick has taught me a ton of it. So I am learning great deals from you guys about entrepreneurialism and how to achieve it. Well, absolutely, Paul. And, you know, one of the big things about entrepreneurs versus employee, and, you know, I've worked both. You know, I worked for Disney and CBS and and Codal Banker before I had my own company. So, you know, I had a good, you know, 10, 15 years on each side of the fence. And a lot of it is the management of risk and how you feel about, you know, kind of risk management in your life. If you're okay with yourself being the last line of defense to, to, to be the one to get it done, if you have the feeling that like you know what if nobody else will do it I'll just do it and get it done that's a really good attitude to have as an entrepreneur if you however are a person who are like you know what I just want to get my paycheck I want to do my job and I want to go home and raise my kids or spend time with my family or like my brother you know go on my boat and that's the thing that I love and I I want to have you know a really defined line between my work-life balance that's the job for you if you have extenuating circumstances where work-life balance isn't possible like single soul supporting mothers 
or you're a single guy or a single lady and you have some savings and you want to take a whack at bringing your product to market, those things all get down to the management of risk. Because when you're an entrepreneur, you're now responsible for all the people who work for you. And that's a big pressure, you know, and I want to put that out there because everybody thinks, oh, it's all unicorns and rainbows being the entrepreneur. But in the early years, especially, I paid my employees before I paid myself. And if there was no money to pay myself, then the kids and I ate oatmeal, eggs, toast, and uh, eggs again for dinner. Like how many different ways can you make eggs? My kids will tell you they, they are so sick of eggs. You know, we had five years of eggs and oatmeal and toast. Um, mm. You know, and I'm not saying that to brag or to to make people feel sorry for myself. But if you want your company to go, you have to put your employees first and then eventually it'll become an exponential flip. And this is where, you know, one of the gals who worked for me got really frustrated because she's like, OK, let's say, you know, for five years I paid her 50000 a year. Then all of a sudden, in the fifth year, my company went from making a hundred thousand to making seven hundred and fifty thousand. Well, I took that big chunk of profit, like six hundred of it, and I invested it in a property. I put some in the bank. I paid my taxes, but I took all that money for myself. And she's like, "Hey, you know, you only gave me ten thousand of it." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I didn't get paid for five years." Like. You got paid two hundred and fifty thousand for the work you did. I got paid bubkiss for those five yeah. years. Yeah, so there right. was part of me that needed to make that up, and you know that's the money you get for putting yourself at risk. My and she still works for me. She's very nice, yeah. but we had kind of a talk about it. Going, look, you could come to work every day knowing you had a paycheck, you had health benefits, you had all these things. I would go to work every day going, okay, I'm not getting paid again this month and I'm living on my savings and I'm working, you know, 10 hours around your eight hour shift, you know, four hours at night, every weekend, every Sunday to get this company off the ground, um, all of that unpaid. So when the money comes in, yes, I'll give you some of it, but I'm not going to give you half of it or a big chunk of it because I've got to pay myself back right. for the five years that I worked with no paycheck right and you know that brings up a, that brings up something interesting that i want to tell you i the life the work life balancing is really interesting when i graduated from high school i wanted to to leave and go out of state so i went to idaho uh, idaho sun valley idaho i don't know if you've ever heard of that place before sure sun valley idaho is a big ski resort town and i used to ski a lot so i went out there with a thousand dollars in my pocket I didn't, and I was gonna, I was gonna live out there. My my choice was to live out there and to see if I could make it. So what I started to do is, I had all these odds and ends jobs, but that really didn't fulfill what I wanted to do. I wanted to keep living out there. If I kept working at these odds and ends jobs, I wouldn't be able to live out there because it's very expensive. So what I did was, I started my own lawn cutting service okay so i got my own lawn cutting service well that was there were so many lawn cutting services out there and there's so many people out there with money you know the stars and all the you know actors and everybody lives out there they go there on their vacations away from hollywood and stuff like that so it was so hard for me to get traction out there in in a service that was so so many of these you know 
lawn services out there. I was so broke, Sandra. I went to the store, had a big long trench coat, and I had to steal food to make to make me to make a living. You know, I to 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 live. I I couldn't. I mean, I didn't have nothing. But then, in a month or so after, keep going, 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 and believing in myself that this is going to work, it started to come around. And I started to make lots of money. And soon I was making so much money because I had a big accounts that I I think in a year when I was out there, I made fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars in in that year that I was out there, which is you know, for a high school kid, hey, that's pretty good money for a high school just out of high school. So I mean, yeah, it's tough. You gotta sacrifice, but I'm telling you the rewards, and they may not come right away. But the rewards will come to you. You know, I believe in karma. So, and you got to you know. be able to tolerate pressure. Yeah, you, know, you got to. Yes. There's a lot of pressure. This is the kind of unsung part of being an entrepreneur. You know, like yeah. I really love the people who work for me. Some people have worked for me for one gal has worked for 16 years. Two people have worked for me for 12 years. You know, they're they're like family. They lasted longer than my marriage. So you know, I have an obligation to them. And when I look at, you know, how I run the company and, you know, do I want to take a month off? And yeah, sure. I would really like to take a month off, you know, and that's never happened, <laughs> you know, yet. Yeah. But, no. I, and part of it is because I feel like I can't, I can't do anything to hurt the company and let people down because people depend on me. And then now all of these workers that I have, the, the nine ladies and the one gentleman, they all have kids. So then I feel the pressure of I've got to keep this company going because they've got kids to support. And three of them are single moms that work for me. That's a lot of pressure at night. Well, an aunt, I think a good entrepreneurial, uh, a good entrepreneurial, a good entrepreneur has great people that surround him, you know, and the employees that, that he is surrounded by are like his partners. And the most important thing about being an entrepreneur is surround yourself with not only positive people, but people that trust you and can and, and believe in what you're doing. Absolutely. Well, and you know, my my um one of the gals who works for me, she doubled up for me. She was Spanish speaking, so she translated a lot of our websites and our documents that we needed into Spanish. She was great with kids, so she provided child care for me. And then she we got her driver's license and she would shop for me and she would take the kids to the park or Michael who works for me, he would take the kids to baseball and, and do these things. And so when it's a small business as an entrepreneur, you have to be willing to help wherever is needed. And yes, Michael has a business degree. So what is he doing? Taking Max and Zach to baseball? Well, you know, I, I need that help. And they, you know, love him and he loves them. And he's like, you know what, I'll run them down to baseball and I'll I'll stay there till you get there. So somebody's watching them. And, you know, that's a typical entrepreneurial spirit on both sides. He didn't turn around and say, well, I'm just here to do programming and I'm not going to run your kids to soccer or baseball. <laughs> well, well, how do you not, you know, how do you not become a family? Well, yeah, that's true. You you become close with your employees very much. And 
like you said, they do. They are. They are family, and they and you have to take better care of them than you do yeah. yourself. Paul. Right. Like right. Anna, who works for me, she's the one that doubled up on childcare. Sometimes she would make dinner for everybody, you know, if we were having a particularly tough day. And, you know, I paid her a regular salary, you know, regular, but I know that she worked lots of overtime for me, never asked for anything. So, you know, at Christmas, I would give out big bonuses. I'd give out gift mm -hmm. cards, you know, that they could use just for themselves or, you know, give them Amazon things they could use to buy Christmas presents for their kids, you know, to make their lives easier because it's a flow and the more somebody does for you the more you do back you prime that pump for abundance and everybody wins and there's that word again respect if you respect the employees the employees will respect you right back and you will get more out of your employees than anything and um, I truly believe that I you got to treat your employees like they're the most important thing in the world they are because without yeah. Help. You can't. You could get nothing done. What could you get done? No, nope, you could you're get only one thing done. Right. So, yeah, that's it's incredible. Entrepreneurship is, it's. I mean, it's the best thing, and I can't imagine. Like I said, I keep saying this over and over again. I can't imagine working for anybody. I just, I can't do it. I've never done it before, and it's just not in me. And I don't even know how I would act around. Working for a big well, you do what you have to do. And if yeah. let's say something happened and you found yourself 10 years from now having to go to work, you would go to work and you would go to work with a greater understanding of your boss. Right the owner of where they're coming from when they ask you to do something that, you know what, they're not just being outrageous jerks. Maybe they're afraid. Maybe right. it's a bad month. Maybe, you know, something's going on. And, you know, you can also have a conversation with them because I feel that more transparency than not in a company helps. When yeah. I was really struggling and they were like, you know, we need new computers. I'm like, I'll show you the books. Like I just, we don't have it right now. And then the first point at which we had the money, I'm like, okay, new computers for everybody. Everybody got screens and 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 seats with the right cushions on them, you know, so that they were ergonomically correct. And as soon as I can, you know, I corrected the workplace issues. But when you can't, it's better to be transparent and say, this is why we can't do this this month, but we'll get there. Yeah, you know, do you remember when people used to say, Oh, you're the, or maybe they still do say that. Oh, you own your own company. You got all kinds of freedom. You have all kinds of no worries. You make all the money. Well, you know, that's really not that true. You get a lot of headaches when you own your own company. And trying to get that thing off the ground is, it's a lot of hard freaking work. It's and it is. I mean, not many people can say that they have that to be, to have that kind of fire in them. You know, you got to have a fire to do it and a tenacity. And I do believe that if you, if people out there want to be an entrepreneur, do it, do it, do it, do it. You, you'll, you'll, it'll be, it'll be a, a great, great thing in your life. Well, like I said, it gives you freedom, but you're going to be working hard working real hard but it'd be worth it it'd be worth it so much right if you love what you do if you don't if love you love what you that is the most important thing sandra you gotta like to be an entrepreneur you gotta like what you do and my busy boards i help people and that's 
that's the biggest reward you can get, you know, from from my product anyways. So that's, I mean. I'm a big proponent, Paul. You know, I want to throw this in, you know, as we close to the end of the show. We're getting closer to the end of the show. You know, people always have criticized me over the years that I don't spend you know, like what I have, I don't spend, you know, you don't spend this, whatever. And I'm a big one for budgeting and I'm a big one for putting money in savings. And the overriding reason is because then I can say no. See, when you have savings and you have some money in the bank, you have the power to say no. If you spend everything you make, and a lot of it is emotional spending, because especially in the United States, we buy a lot of things we we want, but we don't need, and they make us feel better temporarily. But then in the bigger picture, you have no money in the bank. And when you have no money in the bank, you have a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. But the worst part of not having money in the bank is you lose your in a, you lose your ability to say no, meaning, no, I don't want to do this job anymore. No, I won't take this extra work. No, you can't say no because you need the money. And that's one thing that I wish if people don't take away anything else from today's show, that money in the bank means freedom to say no to the things you don't want to do. Good point, Sandra. Good point. Good point. Well, that wraps us up for this show, for this podcast, I should say. Sandra, I want to thank you for joining me today. Thank you for being my co-host. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. You bet. And I want to thank all you out there for listening today. Um, I am your host, Paul Frazier. And again, we are sponsored by BZ Trans Systems, the makers of the BZ board, the premium transfer board, and you can reach them at B-E-A-S-Y boards.com, bzboards.com, and also by Copper Touch. Copper Touch, you got a lifetime of germ protection is right there in your hands. Go out, go ahead and check out their website at coppertouch.com. Find out what all the scientists are backing, why they're backing this product and why it's such a great product, and check out their products also too. So, I want, again, I want to thank all of you again for uh, joining us today. And I'm Paul Frazier, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. On behalf of your hosts, Linda Pavick and Paul Frazier, and our friends at BZ Trans Systems, thanks for listening. For more information, go to www.bzboards.com. Join us next time on Back to Life Radio.